Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a series entitled Hearing God. During this month of July, we hope to rekindle a hunger within us to hear God's voice and listen and respond to Him. Thanks for joining us. My name is Olivia Antonacci, and I started going to Cherry Hills about five years ago, but I've been a Christian my whole life since I was a little kid. I've been learning that it's less about what I'm saying to God, trying to ask like specific questions or looking for certain answers, but more having time and space for like God to talk back to me um, and praying, not just talking, talking to Him, but having time of just sitting in His presence, being aware of like what He might be putting on my heart or putting across, like Jeff says, the ticker of my mind. Um, so I've just been trying to be comfortable in the like sitting and waiting for the Spirit to move and tell me something. Towards the end of my prayers, I'll just sit still for a few minutes, um, and it can be really uncomfortable, um, but I found that it's really good. Um, and even if I don't feel like, oh, God told me something today or whatever, um, I feel like it's a good practice because after a while, I feel something start to come up onto my mind or heart. I'd say the most challenging part of hearing God's voice is knowing if it's His voice or my voice. When I'm praying, I feel like I have all these bajillion thoughts in my head at one time. And then sometimes I like focus on one thing and it lines up with scripture. It lines up with what I would think is like wise counsel or what uh, my community would say. But then in my head, in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe that's just my own thought or I'm not really sure. Um, it just feels like I don't know what is God or what is my own thinking. I'm still figuring that out. I don't really know what to do with that. Um, I usually, my go-to is if it lines up with the Bible, if it's directly um, in a line with God and His mission, then it's probably from God. I think surround yourself with um, a community that also is seeking after God with their whole heart. Um, I've really been encouraged and pushed forward when it gets hard um, by the people around me. I think the most rewarding part of hearing God's voice is the peace that comes along with it and knowing that um, I'm in His presence. Yeah, Antonacci, love uh, that she was willing to share her story. Grab a Bible if you've got one and open it up to the book of John. Uh, chapter 10. And if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. You can pull one out. John's going to be in the Gospels, so it's kind of a little bit uh, towards the back of the Bible. You'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. I was uh, with Olivia uh, sitting in our living room. We had a group of young adults that were there, and we were talking about prayer. And we're just talking about how, what are the helpful things with prayer? What are the things that aren't as helpful? And she started telling her story. And I was like, you got to share your story. <laughs> Would you be willing to share your story? And we just believe here at Cherry Hills that we see ourselves in each other's stories. And so we'll be sharing a story each week in this series just from a couple or an individual in our church family. We also see ourselves in the story of Scripture. And so I want to start this morning just by reading this scripture over us. It's John chapter 10. It starts in verse 22. And we'll have it up on the screen, and you can also follow along with me in the scripture. But let's just take a deep breath before we do this. Let's just receive the word of God as a gift this morning. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It's called 
Hanukkah. And it was winter. And Jesus, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, was in the temple courts, the place where heaven meets earth, the place where God dwells with his people. Walking in Solomon's colonnade, a testament to the fact that God has spoken through prophets and poets and priests and kings and queens. And the Jews who were gathered around him were saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I want to put a bit of a conundrum on the table here. I like to do that. Just let's get a conundrum on the table, and let's talk about it, all right? Here's my conundrum. On the one hand, I think one of the most important things we could ever learn to do is listen to God's voice and respond. And on the other hand, I think maybe one of the most confusing things we will ever learn to do is listen to God's voice and respond. It's not lost on me that in this room here today, maybe you're here and you thought you heard God and it wasn't God. You're disappointed. You're disillusioned. Some of you, maybe you're here today and someone told you something they said was from God and it turned out not to be from God at all. Now it's hard for you to trust. And some of you, maybe you're here today, you've never really expected God to actively speak into your life apart from maybe the occasional Bible reading or sermon. But does that really count? Because you're looking for something supernatural and you feel kind of like the Jews in this story. How long, oh Lord, are you going to keep us in suspense? We just tell me plainly. But deep down, I wonder if each of us long to hear a word from God, just one word, just one word. Because if he has the words of eternal life, and if he made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves, and if he wants what's best for us, and if he has something to say, then speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. And here's why we're doing this series. If you're following along in your notes, we're doing this series because we believe if we're going to walk in the way of Jesus, we must learn to hear his voice. If we're going to walk in the way of Jesus, we talk about that a lot around here, we must learn to hear his voice. And that's just what it is, is it not? It's a learning process. It's a learning process. We're all learning together. St. Teresa of Avila said, when it comes to prayer, we're all beginners. I'm grateful for that. It's a good place to start. So let's buckle up. Let's put our hard hats on, right? Let's bring our questions to the table. Let's dive in. You guys ready? We good to go? All right. So here's where we're headed, at least today, as we kind of kick off this series. I want to start by just getting some preconceived ideas on the table that we bring into this room simply because we got up today and we exist in a first world country within a certain kind of culture, carrying certain beliefs that we just inherited and they're ours. And I'm going to split these into four different categories using a framework that I'm borrowing and adapting from Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God, 
which I would commend to you. It's been really helpful to me over the years. So preconceived idea number one that maybe maybe we walk in here with today, even subconsciously, it goes like this. God would not speak. Listen, God would not speak. He's way up there. I'm way down here. And furthermore, I'm one of seven billion people in the world and he's going to speak to me. And here's what I say. Here's what I'd say. In our celebrity crazed culture, where the rich and famous are present with every swipe of the phone, every magazine in the checkout aisle, where we strive to get ahead and make a name for ourselves, we can be quick to assume, even subconsciously, that greatness keeps a certain distance. Greatness is, after all, is too busy, too high up to associate with the rest of us. But the story that we're given from Scripture, beginning with Genesis, is quite a different picture from our first world situation here in the States. In Scripture, we see a God who bends low to be with creation in conversational relationship. We see a God who walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, cool of the day. We see a God who talks with Moses face to face as a friend talks with a friend. We see a God who guides the Israelites with his very presence, dwells in the middle of their camp. We see a God who wrestles with a frustrated Jacob, dines with Abraham, even parts the seas to save his people. A God who wants to be with humanity so much that he comes to dwell with us, Emmanuel, God incarnate. And if you're here today and you think, man, God wouldn't talk to us. He wouldn't talk. He's way up there and I'm way down here. I would suggest he would. He would, that he's not the God way up there. He's rather the God who's come and who is present right here. The God who's gentle and lowly in heart. Do you need to see him that way today? God would not, right? Preconceived idea number two. God cannot. God cannot. Now we're smart enough to know better, aren't we? We here in the secular West often bear the burden of unbelief. It's the gift given to us by Western civilization and the Enlightenment. Now, we know better. God can't speak. God can't speak. It's unscientific and also a little wacko. Right? The whole hearing voices thing. You hear voices? I'm not sure I want to hear voices. Psychologist Thomas Says Thomas Says in 1973 was famous for saying that in our culture, if you talk to God, you're praying. But if God talks to you, you have schizophrenia. And that's not to discredit anyone who battles with mental illness, but rather to point out the weight of the stigma that comes along with being in conversational relationship with God in our culture. And we can get to this place, you and I, even as sincere believers where we slowly and subconsciously drift to a space where we just don't expect him to speak. We wake up in one day and we're like, he's not going to speak today. God cannot speak. But I got to ask, is that true? Can he not speak? Is his arm too short? Is his ability too limited? The God who rose from the dead in three days can't communicate with his children. However he wants, whether by community or prayer or Bible or a dream or writing on the back wall, He can do whatever he wants. So if you're here today and you're just noticing, man, I'm not sure he can. I want to offer to you the apostle Thomas. who saw saw the same thing. God cannot. God cannot. 
And Jesus loved that he had doubts. And maybe the invitation for you this morning is to bring those doubts to the Lord in conversational relationship. See if it has anything to say about those. All right? God would not. God cannot. And God should not. If you're following along in your notes, God should not. Because the fallout is too dangerous. And maybe more aptly, this is put like, we should not be encouraging people to believe that he can because frankly, the slope is slippery. Like if God starts talking to everybody, there's way too many cooks in the kitchen. You know what I mean? And then this person said God said that, and this person said God said this. And that's not like even getting into the mess of the cults and the false predictions and the God told me to tell you's and the prideful preachers and the bad theology. And I am like out on this. We would be far better off if we stayed over here on this side of the line where we control everything safely. And I want to present to you today the Pharisees and suggest that that's what they did. They conserved They protected because Jesus was way too dangerous and this slope was way too slippery. And poor Nicodemus, I don't know if you know his story, but he was a part of this group and he was compelled by Jesus, friends. And he wanted to listen so bad, but he was afraid. So molded in the image of his community that he went in cover of darkness to meet with Jesus because he didn't want to be seen dabbling in that sort of thing. And Jesus spoke right to him, right to his heart. And we don't know whether he listened or not. The scripture story is left open-ended like it often is, as if to say, would you go? Would you listen? But if you're here today and you fear the slope, it's just a bit too slippery, what would it take? What would it look like for you to trust that Jesus won't let you slip? God would not, God cannot, God should not. And the last one, preconceived idea number four, if you're following along, God does not speak. God does not speak. Man, I've never heard a voice. I've never heard a voice. And I want to say this first, that I know that there are people in this room who have desperately sought God in as authentic and honest a way as you know how. And for whatever reason, it seems that he has been silent on an issue that is very, very important to you. And while I don't have time today to get into addressing the topic of the silence of God and where is God when it hurts, I've offered a few resources on the back of the message notes. Just as a way to say, I see you. I've been there. And this is super, super important. And those resources have been helpful to me. But if today it's just an introduction and we just want to get this topic on the table of developing a normal, consistent, everyday conversational relationship with him, then I would offer to you the history of the faith and the scriptural record that point to story after story after story after story of individuals who walked in conversational relationship with God from Mother Teresa to George Washington Carver to Florence Nightingale to C.S. Lewis, Ben Carson, Blaise Pascal, Harriet Tubman, Eric Adele, St. Augustine famously tells the story of hearing God speak that changed the entire trajectory of his life. He's not a believer and in a distraught condition. 
He sank down in the neighborhood thinking to himself, why not is there an end to all of this? When as he describes it, I heard from a neighboring house a voice as of a boy or a girl I know not, chanting and oft repeating, take up and read, take up and read. Take up and read. And I could think of no children's game with these words. And so checking the torrent of my tears, I arose, interpreting it to be no other than a command from God to open the book and read the first chapter I should find. And the rest is history. Augustine goes on to become St. Augustine, early church father, author of works of theology that we still read and learn from today. And you know what I do? Don't leave me here all alone. (laughs) You know what I do? As I look at the people on this list, I look at the people in scripture, I look at God talking to them and I say, man, this all seems a little extraordinary. Seems a little extraordinary. And nothing extraordinary has ever happened to me. Here's the point right here. Here's the point. That maybe God speaking is not extraordinary. Maybe it's commonplace. Maybe it's like standard operating procedure for apprentices of Jesus. Maybe what's extraordinary is what happens when one ordinary person humbles themselves, takes on the posture of listening, and says yes to a prompting. And God takes that yes and he multiplies it. That is extraordinary. Holy Spirit, help us move away from the place of God speaking, being the stuff of folklore and legend, a one-time thing for spiritual elites. The scripture does not leave us that option, but rather gives us a picture of a God who is continually speaking, speaking, speaking through visions and dreams and falling fire and earthquakes and kings and queens and poets and priests. Look at Hebrews 1.1 with me on your message notes. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. How? How do he speak? How do he speak? Yell it out. At many times and in various ways. At many times and in various ways. Ordinary. Every day. Standard operating procedure. But let's read this second part of the verse together, okay? You read it with me on your notes. It says this. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Okay, Bosworth. Okay. Maybe he's speaking. Maybe. I'm not quite sure. But how should we listen to him? Where are we going to start? And here's what I want to say. If we're going to start anywhere, we've got to start with Jesus Christ. We've got to start there. Not some mystical kind of thing. Not go somewhere else. Not Start with Jesus. Jesus Christ who longs to speak. Who says, my sheep hear my voice. And I want to spend the rest of the morning answering this question. What, if anything, does Jesus have to say about learning to listen? What does he want to show us? Okay, four things that I want to pull out of scripture. Number one, if you're following along, Jesus is showing us. That life, as God has designed it, is a lesson in learning to listen. Jesus wants to show us that life, as God has designed it, is a lesson in learning to listen. Now think about Jesus with me here. Think about how he arrived. Like he could have arrived any way he wanted. 
He could have come down, got marching orders from his father, never spoke to his father again, and went took care of everything. He could have come down as a Marvel superhero and just kind of like done the whole thing. He didn't even have to come. God did not have to send him. God sends him as an infant. Sends him as an infant. And he has to like learn. He has to grow up and learn how to listen as a toddler and a middle schooler. Can you imagine that, Camden? <laughs> and a high schooler. He has to cultivate a relationship with his father vertically as he cultivates a relationship with his community horizontally. I love Luke 2. I love Luke 2. It's, it, it, he's going to put this up on the screen, right? So Jesus is 12 years old. Jesus is a 12-year-old. Then he gets lost, and his family's looking for him. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you? And they finally find him. Jesus, where have you been? And he says, why were you searching for me? He says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's Jesus at 12 years old. Now, let's look at Jesus at 32, 33 years of age. John 14, 31. I love the father. I love the father. I do exactly what my father has commanded me. And he has to learn how to listen to his father and to the spirit and to his community and to creation itself. Because life is a lesson in learning to listen. Maybe one of the things that Jesus wants to say to us this morning, wants to show us, is that we learn to listen by cultivating a posture of curiosity and teachability through the everyday moments in our lives. And as we do this, we become the kind of people, the kind of sheep who know God's voice and who have ears to hear. Yes, God came to save us, but he also came to sanctify us, right? Jesus came to save us, but he came to sanctify us through a lifelong process of learning to listen, which leads me to my second thing Jesus shows us. If you're following along, listening well takes discernment. Listening well takes discernment. In order to say yes to the Father, there were some things that Jesus had to say no to. You know what I mean? Like in order to listen to God's voice, we're going to have to stop listening to some other voices. And there are a heck of a lot of other voices like coming at us all the time. How do we do this thing? We're on billboards and social media and podcasts and friends and colleagues and bosses, spouses, kids, parents, sports, music. Jesus. Matthew 4, I want to look at Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2. It's up on the screen here. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus has to say, No. No. I'm not going to tell those stones to become bread. No, I'm not going to say yes to every bodily craving that comes my way. No, I'm not going to say yes to my own desires and my own wants and my own needs. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. My paraphrase here, for if you do, the angels will save you and the people will see it and they'll think you are the man and they will love you. Jesus says, no, no, 
this worldly idea of being the most liked and the most famous and the most popular and the most Googled. No, I'm not doing it that way. Verse eight, again, the devil took him to the highest mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, which were really already Jesus's, but that's another story. All this I will give to you, the devil said, if you will bow down and you will worship me. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm not going the route of power and control and dynasty. What I need is one word from my father, for he knows best, not my will, but his be done. And in order to say yes to the father, there's some things that we're going to have to say no to, like our flesh, our own desires and cravings, the world. And its idea of life to the full, the devil who comes to steal and destroy. The history of the church has spoken this way to all the things that are coming out. Scripture gives testimony that we're battling against these things, that these are the voices who come at us. How do you recognize when it's his voice and when it's another voice? And you run the thoughts and voices that come through your mind through the filter of Jesus. Is this what he says about me? Is this what he says will bring me life to the full? Does this align with the calling that he's put on my life? Can this be confirmed by the community of people that surround me, who I trust, who are walking in the way of Jesus? In each of these instances, Jesus was able to recognize the lie and then proclaim the truth of what God says over that lie. Man, we're all listening to someone. And we're all listening to something. It's not a matter of whether or not we're listening. It's what we listen to that shapes us. Jesus knew this. He knew what he was up against. He knew what he was battling. And maybe, maybe this is why one of his favorite sayings was, if anyone has ears to hear, if anyone has ears to hear, 15 times he says that in the Bible. 12 in the Gospels, 3 in the book of Revelation. The only phrase he uses more is, truly, I tell you, if anyone has ears to hear, and many don't, but think about how many are standing right in front of him, and they don't receive what he has to say, because listening is hard, hard work. I am still perplexed after almost 20 years of marriage that my wife and I can be standing in the same room, but still can't get on the same page. After two hours of conversation, listening is hard work. But God has placed a high value on it in Scripture. Why? Because if you're following along, you can't love if you don't listen. You can't love if you don't listen. Like, go out next week and try to love your family and your coworkers and your friends without listening to a word any of them they say. <laughs> See how that goes. Terrible. One of the many things that I learned this week while I was studying, was one of my favorite parts about preaching is just kind of digging in and being like, whoa, on the one hand, I'm super convicted. On the other hand, this stuff's cool. <laughs> and I learned that there's an international journal of listening. How amazing is that? The coolest. I found this quote in the International Journal of Listening that I thought was just the best, and I had to share it. When we listen to others, and I would include God here, when we listen to others, we offer not only our time, but also our psychological presence. 
and our cognitive attention and our emotional responsiveness, all of which are finite and thus valuable interpersonal resources. Extending the effort to listen to someone may therefore be conceptualized as an expression of affection for that person, at least in situations when listening is not otherwise expected or compensated. Life is a lesson in learning to listen because life is a lesson in learning to love. And love listens. And one of my fears is that we would be super quick to spout the phrase, it's a relationship, not a religion, but then live as if it's a religion. No more than a mere arrangement I have with the Father, which allows me to draw on the merits of Christ to pay my sin bills. And this is not to discredit the fact that surely in his mercy, God has made a way for our sin to be dealt with. But if as a loving father, I paid the debt for my son or daughter, and they thanked me for it, and they never again said a word to me or listened to a word I said to them, one would have to question whether our relationship was flourishing For relationship, in and of its own definition, is built on communication and connection, presence and intimacy, learning to speak and learning to listen and learning to love. John 10, 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. This is what we know of as Hanukkah. It was winter, and Jesus, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, was in the temple courts, the place where heaven meets earth, the place where God dwelt with his people. Walking in Solomon's colonnade, a testament to the fact that God has spoken to and through prophets and priests and poets and kings and queens. And the Jews who were there gathered around him were saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. For my disciples, if you're following along, will be known by this. My disciples will be known by this. Maybe the breath of scripture reveals his heart here. Maybe the testimony of the church and the long line of apprentices of Jesus who have come before us from widely differing backgrounds and starting places scream loudly for our attention. Maybe our own hearts themselves long for this to be true. One word, one word from you, O God, speak, your servant is listening. And God would, and he can, and he should, and he does. He's more than willing. There's nothing restricting him. There's no one else more qualified to speak. And the world itself is a testament to the fact that he is speaking every day. As Elizabeth Barrett Browning has said, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. What if the question is not, why won't God speak to me? But rather, have I taken off my shoes? Am I listening? Do I value leaning in to hear not just God, but others the way he does? Do I pause 
Am I present? Do I really hear or do I half hear? Or worse yet, am I constantly thinking of the next thing, unable to hear at all? Have I honed the skill of receiving a word from another, whether it's God or my spouse or my child or a colleague? I thought about how to speak to my lifelong pursuit of learning to listen. And I just thought, I tell that story. I tell that story. Oh, God spoke that way. He did that thing, that. And I just kept coming back to this week. <laughs> I was just like, man, like the interruption of some crazy air quality alert and then seeing like this graphic of all the fires in Canada and the storms rip through. This reminded me of how much I think I'm in control of my little life. That I sit on the throne and I heard God say loud and clear this week, you are not in control, but take heart because I am and I'm your shepherd. You need not want. I will guide you and I will lead you and I will never forsake you and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and the small offerings that you bring my way, I will multiply and I will take your imperfect obedience, your little yeses, your willingness to draw near, and I will make much of them in ways maybe you will never hear about or see, but in ways that are significant nonetheless. Do not grow weary. Keep sowing seeds. Keep listening. And as we wrap this morning and prepare our hearts for communion, I just want to give us an exercise to evaluate our relationship with listening. I want to flip this framework that we used in the beginning on its head. And if you're following along in the notes, I'm just going to ask a few questions. So if you take time just to hear what the Spirit has to say, instead of would God speak, would I listen? Would I listen? Or am I too quick to speak? And I'd rather be heard. Have I developed an ability in my life to be slow to speak and quick to listen? Or do I dominate conversations? What percentage of any given conversation am I speaking? And when I enter a conversation, do I enter with curiosity or with a laundry list of things to get on the table? Would I listen? Second question, not can God speak, but can I listen? Or am I too hurried to lean in? Am I running at a place, a pace that makes it impossible? Am I easily interruptible? Do I make time to listen to those from all walks of life and in different circumstances? Or is the barrier of busyness and hurry affecting my ability to hear? And the last question, how am I doing? at discerning the voices I should and shouldn't be listening to? How am I doing at discerning the voices I should and shouldn't be listening to? Am I like overly influenced by my own wants and needs? What about the world's influence? Do I have trusted friends who can speak into this area of my life? Is there anything that would be helpful to say no to so that the Father can speak to me and I might say yes to him? I want to invite you just for a couple minutes to be still, to lean in and to listen. 
Do any of these areas stand out to you? What's God saying? Let's just take a moment. Let's just be still. Speak to us, Lord. tell you that what we're doing here right now has been one of the most important things that I've learned to do and also one of the hardest things that I've learned to do in recent years is just to be still, just to stop. We're so uncomfortable with it. We just feel like we got to move, we got to go, we got things to get done and You know, it's a preaching week for me, and then all this other stuff happens. And I hear the voice of the Spirit of God saying, come out and just be still. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Do you know what I have to do this week? You gotta be kidding. And so I went, I didn't do it perfectly every day, so I'm learning. But when I did, I'm telling you, I needed it. I can't hear the voice of God when I'm running at the pace of culture. So I did. I just sat out there and I listened. It's not like it's an audible voice. Sometimes there's a scripture that comes to my mind. A lot of what I shared to you here is literally what he was saying to me in those moments. Like you think you're in control, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> well, what do we need to do about that? Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.